Welcome to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's taken off all its clothes. I'm Alex. (laughs) When you wander through the darkness and see in the distance, what's that? The flicker of a light? That's a film of pornography that takes a lot of time and you gotta get it the film and then you gotta get the projector you gotta plug it in you gotta hang up a bed sheet then you gotta tell all your friends what you're doing because that's what it's about i'm justin i'm pete and we are going to be talking about riverdale season 7 episode 16 chapter 133 stag now to give you a little bit of recap here on what's happened in riverdale so far everybody is back in the 50s there's still Still, yes. And it's going to happen for the next four episodes. Sorry, Pete. Boop. You can go on a little Boop. rant about that in a that second. Fucking okay. Sucks. okay, okay, okay. Uh, so, a bunch of stuff is going on here. Archie and Reggie are living together. Reggie is a transfer from the nearby town. He's on the basketball team. They become fast friends. Jughead, meanwhile, has been writing for the local comic book company, Pep Comics. And Mr. Uh, Principal Weatherby, excuse me, Dr. Werther's and Sister Woodhouse, I believe it's Sister Woodhouse have been really pushing back on the proliferation of horror comics, leading in this episode to the creation of the Comics Code Authority, a very real thing that happened in real history. And that's something that he's been fighting back against, along with the editor-in-chief of Pet Comics, uh, Mr. Fieldstone. Meanwhile, back several episodes back, he kind of dated very briefly Veronica, but that didn't work when he was too into writing his comics, and she got Or did it. Similarly, with the Veronica note, she owns the local movie theater. And as we all know, and this is very important to the episode, you got to remember this, Veronica and Betty felt a primal urge to be together and decided to put aside all boys and they're going to be together. And that leads directly to the events that we have this episode. Meanwhile, with Betty, she's been fighting with her mom for a variety of reasons as she's been exploring her sexuality and feminism in the 1950s. This is something she's been pushing on to a lot. We also have not seen her sister Polly in a good long while in fact all season we've heard tell that she's in new york but that's it she returns this episode we find out a lot more about her cheryl and tony are together and have been exploring their sexuality more brazenly and openly as they've gone tony is very much a photographer cheryl has been leading into her painting as they are all back in high school and exploring what's going on with them in terms of their jobs and things that they might like to do in the future and the last thing that i'll mention is we had a return of miss grundy a.k.a. the lady who molested Archie back in the first season and then got garroted, I believe, at the beginning of the second season. And uh, she's back! And she is teaching poetry to Archie. Archie really wants to lead into his poetry. That's something he decided, I think it was in the last episode, to really devote himself to that over basketball and being with girls. But maybe girls, but I guess we'll see. 
So there you go. Also, Kevin and Clay are there. Uh, Pete, you wanted to go on a rant right at the top of the episode. Well, I just want to vent a little bit. I feel like it's healthy to get that out so then we can then sure. have discussions. Got to because... get the poison out, man. Got to get the poison yeah, out. Yeah, it's driving that. me nuts that we uh, did this whole Tabitha thing, made it a huge issue, and then it just doesn't exist anymore because um, why... Jughead why? Veronica, and <laughs> why? why is that okay? Why is that okay? The show works so hard to be like, no, Jughead, you are with Tabitha, and that's how this is going to go. And then we were like, no, and they were like, no, that's how it's going to go. And we were like, no. And they were like, no, that's how it's going to go. And we we're like, okay, all right, you want us over by love and persistence and okay. But that all goes out the window in this episode, and I'm just like, why? What the fuck are we doing? Why are we still stuck in the 50s? And why is this all right? I mean, I, does Tabitha not exist anymore? Like, what? Sort uh, of. Fuck. Oh, my gosh. So that much founding. <laughs> yeah, that, that peaked you out. Don't do that again. Okay, so. Let me just say, Pete, it's amazing how hard cliffhangers work on you. They, like, I've never seen a cliffhanger work harder than the way that it gets you. It gets me in comics every time. It gets me in fucking shows. I, you know, I'm a well, sucker here, for Let, let me throw this out here. And I, 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 I'm not exactly feeling the same way as Pete, but I'm definitely, I don't know. I'm feeling a little wobbly now about the season. Like first 10 episodes oh, to me. Yes. Felt like here we go. Over Let's to get the dark into side. It. I love this. No, no, I have so I, many I'm things not, to say. I'm not on Pete's dark side. I'm gonna be. Come on! Come on! Okay? I'm still you're trying on, to You're on your dark side. You're on your <laughs> dark side. That's the thing. From watching Star Wars movies, we all know the dark side is complicated. It's not one thing. It's not good and evil. There's gray in the middle there. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't really watched any Star Wars you, movies. I don't watch that weird shit. Don't okay, come, so yeah. let's get back to You're it. wearing what a Star Wars t-shirt, my yeah, man. <laughs> I know, what a Star Trek hat, and I got Batman. Let's not get into this. The first 10 episodes of the season, I, I'm pretty sure I said afterwards that this might be my favorite season ever. Yeah, you pulled Because the of the clear progression of the story. And I'm not just talking about the relationships. I'm literally talking about, like, the way they were working through the plot, whether it was a relationship plot or the mystery or just the overall thought of what's going on with the 50s, as well as leaning into issues on an episodic basis. It felt like there was a very firm hand there. And since that 10th episode, it feels like we have gone back to Riverdale Crazy Town, where we every episode is that exquisite course of like, did you watch the last episode of the show, you guys, before you sat down to write it? What is going on here? Because there's there's still references to things, mind you, like obviously they know actually what's going on in the show, but things like the Veronica thing that I was joking about in the, re in the recap, I don't necessarily need to see Veronica be Endgame, but I do need them after being like, we feel something primal for each other and we're not gonna be a Du Bois anymore any sort of follow-up on that whatsoever at any point. And with four episodes left in the show, I don't know where we're going and not in a like, ooh, let's find out where we're going away so much as it feels like I'm on a roller coaster that literally has flowed off the rails and is floating in space somewhere. I'm like, well, we might fall into that big pile of cotton candy there in the theme park and be fine. Or we might crash directly into the other roller coaster and absolutely die. And that's not a good feeling. I know we've had that in previous seasons of Riverdale, but there is a different, a palpably different feeling when you're heading towards the last four episodes of a show. Justin, I'm going to guess you disagree. And you're like, give me the story. I love chaos. <laughs> 
No, well, I, let me say, I think, you know, I think both of you need to take some time and see a sunrise. I think you guys need to uh, <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. all night. Anything is because, possible! No. And, and let me can throw we, out Can there, we be like, a bit, uh, ambiguous about whether we touched each other's dicks or not? Like, just not, like, get that wow. out there before the sunset, sunrise thing? Uh, you can be uh, outwardly ambiguous, but I do want to know. Uh, I also would uh, like to know. We'll get to that. (laughs) But let me let me throw out there. I think what you're feeling, both of you, is literally the point. This episode really crystallized it for me. All the talk about Howell, uh, like it's about breaking the the established rubric. Like we all came into this show and it was spent all these seasons being like, who is the end game? What is the rigid final form of these couples? And I think the show is telling us this season, like, hey, relax. They're playing around. They're kids. Uh, this is like my my overall theory of this episode is, and the last few is everyone's become a little more like childlike in the way they talk, especially the boys. The boys are like, "What are we doing? We're gonna go do this thing. Let's go do it!" Like, and I think they're they're showing us like, "Hey, they're youthful. They have their lives are ahead of them." They're just trying stuff out. And of course, they're going to change gears all the time. That's the way it is when you're young. And the idea here is while they don't pick up on Veronica, we still see them together. I think we still feel their closeness, but like they're not doing that right now. They're not exploring their sexual side because they're they're trying that, but that's not the, their whole lives. They're not locked into a like, I'm just looking for the other half of my ship. And, and I really think that's the point. And I think it goes back to, we talk about how like Archie's all about Archie, Betty, and Veronica. But if you think about it from the other side, that's the first version of a a coupling where everyone's just sort of in the mix all the time and there is no stasis. Where Veronica and Archie are dating for a while, Betty and Archie are dating for a while, and everyone's cool with it. And I think that's what we're meant to take away, especially from this episode. I I hear you on that, and I definitely think there is a part of it in terms of kids. They're playing around and they're experimenting things. That certainly ties into the Reggie and Archie storyline where they're being explicitly told that by Betty and Grundy in that initial meeting in the poetry lesson that has three people in it with Grundy, so you know nothing untoward is happening. Uh, yeah, everyone's watching the, each other. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's like, don't, don't move. Grundy's fine, right? Grundy's fine in this continuity. It's good. Don't don't worry about it, fans. We're all good here. Ha 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 But uh, she has to keep but, saying her I'll, husband. I'll throw this out to you. Lines. I think this is almost the opposite of what you're saying. So I don't think you're going to agree with this, Justin. But somebody threw out to me on Tumblr, which I think I agree with. If you flipped 7A and 7B, if you look at it like the first 10 and the second 10, if you had the first half, everybody's playing around and experimenting. And then we start to hone in on whatever the story is and whatever the end game, even if it's like, even if it is open end game, even if it's like, we're all friends, nobody chooses each other. I need to get that. No, like I I think legitimately to be clear, I'm not like, I gotta have my Barchi. I gotta have my, I do have to have my Shoney, but that's like, that's on me and my feelings, not on logically analyzing the show. I think I want to I want to start heading towards something, you know, instead of heading towards all of things as we have time wise less than four hours left left of the show. I would argue we're we're heading towards stuff, especially big themes, but it's not those interpersonal character relationships that I we spend so much time talking about. And I think that's all right because I think we're heading to like like each episode has been getting more and more sexual tension 
not just between individual characters throughout the show the show is horny the music everything is making it, it it's a dam that's about to break a b i think the, especially the alice and betty stuff in this episode it's full-on war the the youth revolt versus the adults we saw that with penelope here we saw that with alice we see that with the comics code stuff that stuff's about to pop and so i think that's the point of the show and i think we have to get to the through the chaos of it and pushing it on all sides and then it all explodes and then we can get to who's kissing who at the end of that day no <laughs> you're yeah you're mad i'll tell you i, guys just I, I think up. part of it frankly is i was already kind of hepped up by the way that they treated the reggie archie thing and i'm curious to get your guys input on that because again i think there's a separation here that i'm feeling between logically thinking about it and understanding it versus uh, emotionally how i feel about it this is i'm always very hesitant like super hesitant to throw around the word queer baiting because i think like that's a big thing to throw yeah. at a show or a person or anything like that i think it's very much misused there was that instance i know i don't think you guys watch heartstopper but one of the characters in heartstopper right. comes out as bi over the course of the season there was this whole thing where they said the real guy in the show kit connor was queer baiting people to the point where he felt bullied enough to be like, yes, I'm by in real life. Thank you for not understanding anything about the show. That was an instance mm -hmm. where people use misused queer baiting. I think just because things don't turn out the way you want, that's not necessarily queer baiting. Um, it could be potentially, but again, I think you need to think about that stuff logically, but I do think the way that Reggie and Archie are treated in this episode they have some really interesting discussions as so to give people who didn't watch it the overall arc they initially are very excited because they get to watch this stag film which turns out to be starring polly it's being showed off in the Babylonium. betty shuts that down immediately to find out what's going on with polly that goes swerves off into a different storyline but over the course of the episode reggie and archie as these bunch of doofs keep trying to get stag films from julian who of course keeps tricking them over and over and over again so the first time he gives them a film that's actually a wrestling film, it's not a gay porno or anything like that, but it's definitely the sort of thing that like you could slip to Kevin and Clay like to watch. Um, I assume at the time that was the sort of thing where you could be like, oh, I'm just watching a film of wrestling, but of course it's something that gay men are using to express their sexuality. Sexual. Yeah, and it stirs something in Reggie and Archie because they look at it and go, okay. Uh, uh, no, we shouldn't watch this, but I do find something interesting about it. And then they have a discussion about it based on the beat poetry thing where they're like, do you think guys can mess around with each other? And that's okay. This is to get back to a discussion we had several episodes ago. I think this is what KJ Oppa was referring to in terms of exploring male sexuality. Yeah. I was very happy and very excited that they went there and they discuss it. Clearly Reggie and Archie are like, are we talking about each other? They have the funny scene about, oh, well, I got to go take a cold shower. Me too. Oh, not with you. Ha 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 ha. What are we talking about? Over the course of the episode, they end up watching another stag film that burns out immediately. And they're like, oh my God, I'm so horny. And Archie's like, I have an idea. I know what we can do. And then their idea is to go visit Twilight twist and sleep with her which not even to unpack the whole like archie once again losing his virginity to a older woman and being technically molested by her and that's not great uh 
we don't see anything happen between Reggie and Archie. Afterwards, they're like, I love you, man. To me, it felt platonic as they watched the sun up. You could certainly assume something went on between them. But to me, this really skirts or leans into queer baiting because the whole storyline, including the Archie being like, I have an idea, is played as a joke. It's literally baiting the audience into thinking we're heading towards Reggie and Archie doing something to ultimately not show us that happen. Conversely, I know hmm. Betty and Veronica did not kiss in real life. They only kissed in a dream ballet or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and in Betty's <laughs> subconscious when she was having dreams and thinking about this stuff. But like, there's a clear separation here between how they are treating female-female relationships in the show versus male-male relationships in the show. Do we know how it'll go in the future episodes? We don't. So maybe they will lead into it more. Maybe they won't. But just based on this episode alone, I was very frustrated and frankly, very angry about the way that they treated this. I know that was a whole monologue. Curious to hear if you guys felt the same. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, you go. I, I just had some questions when you said uh, it was his idea to go to Twyla. So why was that forceful? Like, why was he forced to have? Were, were you talking about something else? I'm not sure. No, I'm saying she is an older woman who is uh, having sex with an underage boy. And given that we is something that was very caused a lot of anger, and I think rightly so, in the Riverdale fandom when it was done for salacious reasons in the first season with Miss Grundy, to bring that back now, I do understand it's a different context and it's different characters presented in a different way or same characters presented in a different way to sort of like poke that poke that bear a little bit. It just doesn't feel like a great idea. Okay, yeah, That's okay. what I'd say about that. Um, I I understand what you're saying, and um, I could definitely see it that way. I took it much more like they they don't know they they felt, and again like what like I was saying before, the way they're portraying the boys, where they're just like they feel like younger, more new to the world than they have in the past. I, I feel like they were just like, what is happening? Why I'm so turned on right now? Uh, what if we went and did like it feels experimental? It doesn't mm -hmm. feel to me like they're trying to bait us into something and then and then take it away or like it doesn't feel malicious it feels truly like hey it's okay if you don't know what you feel like sexually all the time it's okay to be like to be in the middle mm -hmm. and you know we do, we don't explicitly get that here but i i really liked the moment where it was like i love you man like i it was it felt like like you're saying like a real just connection between them i don't think they're gonna suddenly be exclusively together uh archie and reggie but i think I, like we've said it all season like they're the like best example of people being on the same page and truly connected and like they do love each other i think that's maybe one of the strongest relationships that's come and again i i don't think it's a a flat out sexual relationship it's just like a great friendship maybe but again mm -hmm. like and especially when you're young i think you don't you're like i love this person does that mean sex I don't know. And then you have to sort of figure it out. So I think that's what was on display here. I, I agree with you. And I, I think that's everything you're saying is totally fair. Again, I feel very uncomfortable throwing out the term queer baiting because it's a big hot button term. I think the thing that really frustrated me in particular 
was the joke rhythm of ending the scene, maybe even before the commercial, if I remember correctly, of Archie being like, I've got an idea how we can solve this horny problem that we both have that we've been talking around the entire episode. And then it cuts back to, like, in a certain way, smash cut to have sex with a woman. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. That, that was the thing I was like, <sighs> just... That to me is the baiting part of it. What happened right. in that room? Obviously, they don't show us or anything like that. But I don't know. Again, there just feels like a palpable difference between, well, it's acceptable to show two women kissing, but we're not going to show KJ Appa and Charles Melton kissing. I don't, I wasn't in the room. I didn't write it. I don't know. I don't know what the discussions are like. Obviously, they went to subtle route, but I wish. For the fan base alone, and particularly for the younger fan base, I wish there was the same level of visual representation there. Well, I think that's a, a cultural issue. And mm-hmm. I think this episode, I think, was pushing on that a little bit and trying yeah. to not, you know, go all the way. And maybe that's not what they the intention was for the characters. But I think they're trying to say, like, look, these guys can have this experience and w- they cannot know what it means. And that's OK. And for you, you could do the same thing in your lives. Yeah, again, I think that's fair. This was my interpretation of it. I think there's a lot of different other interpretations of it. So appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys weighing in. Why don't <laughs> we move and talk about the Cheryl Tony storyline a little yes. bit? Because that's woven throughout the episode. You want to talk about being upset about, uh, you know, being gypped or something. I was very, she kept talking about the painting and I was hoping we were going to get more of her process of painting, you know, like she works from the a still process of painting. You wanted yeah. process. Yeah, I mean, because it's like we get all these amazing paintings in the show, and I was you like, want Cheryl, oh. to do her Bob Ross thing. You, that's yes, I want to see a little bit of left. like. You want Cheryl to be like, okay, here's these pretty little trees. No, yeah. it'd be Tony. You know, yeah. I, I want this is to a tree, Tony. and this is a tree. I call these two trees TT. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was glad we saw the painting. It was very yeah. much not a pulp painting, which is okay, I guess. But, you know, the paintings are great. Yeah, the paintings yeah, on mean, the show I... are amazing. And I was heartbroken at how it was destroyed before we could enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's just rough, man. I just love that they're, and Alex, you must love this too. They're just so locked in as a couple. They're like, what art form should we just play around with t- today? And like, uh-huh. they're just in it they're like uh they could be a retired couple in boca with the way they're like very fun take a picture storyline i love uh oh my god what what is uh tony's number two what's her name i don't know why i'm completely blank you got it but the Uh, lizzo lizzo Lizzo, the lesbian yes uh lizzo the lesbian how did you forget uh, i don't know if that's her official name (laughs) yeah uh but she buys two copies of the magazine uh which i appreciate because as a comic book buyer you buy two you want to enjoy and one to keep pristine yeah love that i love the whole boudoir shoot was very fun i love the idea of cheryl being like hey maybe i could paint pulp covers maybe that's what i can do is sort of like floating it out there as an eventual job position i thought it was very cool yeah. everyone wants for to work cover of a comic book or something you know yeah, tie in with uh remind me later i have a horrible theory about comic books in this show that i want to throw out to you guys oh no should i do Great. it right now should I yeah, do yeah. I don't want to swerve too much off the Cheryl Tony. So you know how for years, and we've joked about this, there's been speculation about like, hey, Riverdale is one big book that Jughead is writing. 
Uh, yes. Oh no. I've I've don't. often wanted it to be don't. end with Jughead pulling out like a fifty thousand page manuscript in front of a publisher, and the publisher being like, "What the fuck?" And then it cuts to <laughs> Riverdale the end or something like that. Oh my god. Here's my thought now. I don't oh, know no. if this will happen, but I can kind of see this happen since uh, Jughead is basically inventing Archie comics anyway. What if, since we know they're not going to get out of the 1950s, what if the previous... Don't say that. They, they show, still could. What if the previous six seasons of the show are a comic book that Jughead is writing? He creates Archie Comics. He writes a comic called Riverdale. That's what it is. Um, it's crazy that you've thought of, the, thought of this as an like, outsider crackpot theory because I think that is 1,000% <laughs> what's going to happen. No. I think it's mostly just it like I don't love the idea, so I'm just hesitant to say it out loud. I'm, no, I'm hesitant a million percent. Yeah. I mean, I, why do you, happen, don't you love right? it? You'd rather have him write a, be a novelist? Like, I think it makes way more sense. Comics saved the universe last season, mm-hmm. remember? Like, I think it's all headed that way. And I think that's I I'm sure I bet you Roberto loves the idea that Archie comics led to Riverdale and then in the show Riverdale leads to Archie comics. Mm-hmm. I think that's nice. Yeah, I think also when I think through this theory I th- I'd imagine they'd thread the needle a little bit not be oh the first 6 seasons were imagined they didn't exist because they did exist but if they stay in the 1950s Jughead in some sense will have these memories over the course of the show, we've very clearly seen that Jughead doesn't have an original thought in his head in terms of stories. He's all just writing yeah. down stuff that his friends are doing. So if we do get to a place where they stay in the 1950s and Jughead maybe has like, oh, I have an idea. What if I took my friends, put them in a dark murder mystery and like Jason Blossom, who is Cheryl's brother in this continuity, dies, what would the murder mystery be like? And, oh, wouldn't it be funny if Betty and I had a relationship? Let's throw that in there as well to, like, really swerve things up and figure out what will happen. So he remembers the things that happened, but he doesn't realize their memories. He thinks they're story ideas. Thousand percent accurate. <laughs> oh, like Pete a psychic. This. Pete hates it. Sorry, Pete. But you yeah. love comics by your own admission. Pete, you can buy two copies of Riverdale, the series, <laughs> one to save and one to read. One that floats above a fire. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, always anyway, buy that two was babies. a little swerve for the Cheryl yeah, Tony Always thing. buy two babies. One thing that I wanted to say that I really liked about this is, that I felt did go in a very different direction in the previous seasons is Cheryl and Tony taking these pictures Doing the painting of the church where nobody goes, of course, Penelope discovers it. And it's like, you spiteful nightmare child, uh, you were never allowed to do this again. This felt like this had forward momentum. At the end, Cheryl being like, I'm done with my family. We're not doing it anymore. Let's figure out a way to get out of this. And that, to me, was so exciting in terms of, yeah, yes, we're heading towards the last four episodes. Cheryl is breaking the cycle of pain of her family that has plagued her. For seven seasons so far, she's working on even keel with Tony to it. Shoni right now to me is the best, clearest storyline on the show. They have had the clearest arc over the couple wise. They have the clearest arc over the course of the show. Very excited where this is headed in the last four episodes. They're in it to win it. I'm excited. Like Cheryl's going to get pointed in a direction and be like, okay, like 
take down uh, your family. I think that it will be a lot of fun. And I'm hoping we're going to get some people in the walls finally. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, stop mm -hmm. dancing mm -hmm. around it. That one, yeah. all of a sudden we burst into song and we see Mrs. Blossom, like, walk past a couple walls. And I'm like, come on, stop teasing me with this. Yeah, she's looking at them. She wants to get in the walls. Uh, oh, sorry, Pete LePage, uh, entertainment journalist. You've covered seven seasons of Riverdale. I just want to get this quote right. Your favorite things are floating babies and people in the walls. <laughs> just trying to cover this this show. This is no your comment. your I favorite thing. No comment. Your no attack comment. It. Yeah, your attack journalism. Why I'm doing a podcast? Have some respect. I just listened, reading every transcript of Riverdale After Dark, and you talk about people in the walls every episode. So hey, whatever you guys are journalists. You guys want this stupid, like, Steve Bacho ending where he fucking rips off the paper and it turns Bochco. into the show and whatever. Steven Bochco, I think you mean, yeah. and that's a dusty reference. What's that? <laughs> a Pulitzer Prize for my journalism covering Riverdale After Dark? Oh, I'll take it. Oh, my Man, God. Man, I'll give, give those out to anybody at this point. What were you going to say about the storyline, Justin, about Shoney? Let's keep talking about that. I like it. Oh, interesting. Oh, you like We got to stay in Alex's happy place. Otherwise, he's yeah, let's stay there. Apart. Let's stay yeah. there for a second. Great. Exactly. Um, I also think it's great. I think uh, the uh, they're, they're such a stable core of the ships that I think to then have them be driving this story, I bet next episode is going to be like, let's destroy the Blossoms. Um, and the youth revolt thing that I've been talking about so much. And I, we get sort of that same thing with Alice and Betty sort of right next door. So I think that's uh, that's a big pop for next episode. But I also think you said the clearest relationship this season and story arc. I got to throw out Alice and Betty as the clearest, mm -hmm. cleanest, absolutely devastating relationship that's been gone oh, boiling God. over the course of this season. Yeah, I think to jump over to that, totally agree with you on that. The overall storyline to give that a brief wash of what happens there is Betty calls Polly when she finds out she's in the stag film. It turns out Polly is a internationally renowned burlesque performer named Polly Amores. Veronica, yes, a word, it. a word that everybody knows in the fifties. Absolutely, yep. yes, makes a lot of sense. Famous. And Alice has been lying to everybody about her being a Broadway star because she was too embarrassed about it. But ultimately, Bender. when Betty finds out that Veronica loves it and also has a lovely conversation for with Polly for the first time in seven seasons, I think, where they're actually acting yeah. as sisters. Awesome. They end up setting up a show at the Babylonium. Betty pictures herself as a burlesque performer, just like Polly, and gets so very good. excited about that. And that ultimately leads to this confrontation at the end of the episode with Alice, where Alice slaps her in devastating Oof. fashion. And then the exp that whole scene, I know we've had so many Betty Alice scenes in the show, but the way they acted that, the way they staged that oh out. Oh, my God. From After slap the slap to cutting her back face. to Alice and yeah. Major Amick's face of, oh, my God, did I just do that thing? to Betty saying, I'm just surprised that it took you so long. Like, I, I was literally shaking when I was watching that because it was so powerfully done. Well, and I was like, Alice, you know, that was sort of impulsive, I think, and she was just fed up and slapped her. But Betty was so much more devastating than that slap. But Betty yeah. savaged Alice in that moment. And, like, it was – it reminded me of, like, the way we've gotten just little gestures of – Alice had a lot of dreams. Alice had wanted to live a life, and then something called caused her to freeze up. 
and to be stuck there and slowly get angrier over her life to the point where now she's this like very repressed conservative person and she's inflicting that on Betty. But it's, to me, it's like a little bit, it's a cycle. Like it's mm-hmm. something that I think Betty, like fingers crossed, is going to break out of along with Cheryl and the rest of the kids. I just yeah. want to uh, back up the truck here. Uh, Justin, you, beep, beep. Uh, uh, Alex was saying, yeah, you know, lied about being a Broadway star. And then you said, uh, yeah, been there. No, uh, I said, you know, when your family lies about you're on Broadway when really you're just doing burlesque downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something that you know, my burlesque? You know my burlesque. No, I don't know your burlesque. That's why I was wondering if you wanted to take a minute and plug your shows that you got coming up. Or well, it's hard to do it. Uh, Wait, 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 wait! wait, No, you've never seen you never seen the Sizzler perform. I'm a huge fan of the Sizzler. Wait, your tagline all all steak, no beef. Because you're <laughs> always right, out Alex. of time. No, I had a fan. I always did. Every show, I was at every show. It was great. It was really because you're time. always traveling, and currently you're in a hotel in Montreal. So, like, you know, I don't you do you, bro. You know what I mean? A lot but of burlesque like, up here. Canadian um, burlesque. Oh, extra. It's instead of steak, it's Canadian bacon. It's really good, Alex. You'd love it. It's uh, salty. Yeah. yeah. What's your What's your slogan for your show up in Montreal? It's uh, uh, Justin. <laughs> time for love. Oh, I thought I was putting the P in poutine. <laughs> oh, gross. I don't know if you're pronouncing that correctly. I don't want to kick shit, but gross. <laughs> uh, uh, well, let's stuff. move on from this. The uh, Polly storyline was good. What else do we need to talk about in this well, episode? Well, just to talk about it, I, I did think this was great. I mean, I think Polly's had a tough go looking at this series as a whole. I feel like she's often the person that is meant to be in peril so that Betty can be really stressed. And I thought this was this episode and the conversation that they had in the diner and through after the show, I thought was just great. I felt like Polly actually feels like a real person and really lived a life here and is happy. He's getting married. And the yeah, scene I'm a little of, worried about the, the uh, stock dude who's, uh, you know, what, what about him? Just, just the stock. He's no, I'm just. Uh, he just. He seems what like was his uh, name, like Henry Bigglesworth or something like that. He I don't think they named dropped him. They just. Yeah, she was like my husband, my fiance, Bernard Huggins or something. I don't know. I'll look it up. You guys. Well, that may be a reference to. Isn't Higgins the name in Guys and Dolls? Mm, Henry Higgins. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Uh, oh, nice. But I do think. Um, I I I. I think she's going to be great. Just because the guy's a stockbroker, Pete, doesn't mean he's a maniac. Well, <laughs> he's not necessarily a psycho. Well, wasn't the Veronica's husband that stockbroker guy was a complete asshole? Oh, yes, that's Lang- one Langley example. Huggles. That was the name of it. Langley Huggles. That's a crazy name. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. It's no, a crazy that's name. What I'm saying. I don't think he's a good person just no, based he's off fine. that. I, here, I'll throw out this. One thing that I do think in terms of final season of it all that they're doing really, really well are taking uh, these side characters or these smaller characters and figuring out ways of really bringing them into the spotlight and giving them some sort of closure. Like they did that with Hiram a couple of episodes back. I don't think this we necessarily saw closure, but the episode about Ethel, I think that was the attempt there to be like, we're going to give really Ethel this really standout thing so she, we can leave her yeah. in a happy place. Same thing with Polly here. Presumably, if they were able to bring back Skeet Ulrich as F.P. Jones, I imagine that's what they would have done as well, is leave him in his happy place. We're getting Josie next episode, which is great, and I think oh, I'll the same awesome. thing, where it's 
a lot about what this season is about so far is about bringing these people to a place where maybe things aren't perfect, but at least they can leave happy. You know, we can leave them on a note. And I, I think what I'm feeling right now, and I think what a lot of other fans are feeling right now is we're getting that with all of these side characters and that's very exciting, but we but need we're running to see, out of time. Yeah. We're running out of time for the main characters. And there's a lot of main characters. You know, Guys, I, th- it's I still, listen, listen, I still feel confident. We've got time. We don't got Riverdale time. pulls We're it out, out in the time. last episode. Riverdale almost exclusively pulls it out in the last episode. So even 100%. if these next three episodes are a chaotic mess, we'll watch the last episode and be like, oh, they really brought it together. What do you know? <laughs> so that'll happen. But trust the process. But it's making me nervous right now. That's the thing. I don't like being nervous. I don't like it. What else about the episode do you guys want to call out? We didn't talk about Jughead's storyline at all, but I still, and I'll just throw out there, I know I've been getting a lot of folks hitting me up being like, God, this comic stuff with Jughead is so boring. Who cares about comics? And I'm like, me. My uh, entire what? life. I love it. More <laughs> comics history. This is very accurate. This is great. Uh, the funny part in this episode is they keep pre-inventing stuff. Like, correct me if I'm wrong on the timeline here, but the Comics Code Authority, which was introduced in the 50s, I believe, lasted for yep. decades, eventually yep. became totally unnecessary, and ultimately what the comic book industry did was came up with a rating system where they could self-police on the comics. So Jughead is jumping several decades earlier when they're introducing the comics code authority to eventually what will happen. And I, I love that as a comics nerd, as a comics history nerd. Great. Give me more. It, it was very funny in this episode that was all about like sex and stag films, all that. And then we cut to Jughead. Who's like, well, I have some ideas about how comics should be regulated in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun, but also, and then, but the surprise of Jughead ending the episode ending on a jughead veronica kiss like i know we talked about that from a uh pete's yuck yuck i don't want like that uh <laughs> i do think the that's pretty big yeah well, the whole you... we conversation was uh, was real fun and i thought a creative uh kind of thing i thought i liked how jughead picked up on it and he said we um so you know i thought the writing on that was good but uh we're talking about things we liked from the episode so let's not well, get hold it on. twisted no no no, no. I, I don't want to jump on for the vughead thing too quickly or jeronica or whatever you want to call it yeah. that was a huge swerve to me i think i understand it on the level of what you were talking about justin of these are kids and they're playing around and of course when you're in high school one day you're like oh i want to make out with this person and the next day you want to like i want to make out with this person at least i assume i anyway yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, I don't. I don't even know how to answer your question. Yeah, I don't know what yes. just happened. I was looking at my notes, and all of a sudden, somebody went off the rails there. Yeah, a little You're bit. Right? But my point being that, like, I get that on that level. But again, on the level of the story, we got Veronica, and Jughead was just kind of on his own track, and then we go back to Veronica after it didn't work. I just don't know. Are we doing Jerotica this episode or the next episode? They'd be like, still doesn't work. On to the next thing. It, it feels very back and forth to me. Well, I I thought it was going to happen at the end of this episode. I thought they were going to kiss and then Tabitha was going to, like, Angel Tabitha was going to appear and just be yeah. like, I did it. <laughs> Oops. What's this? Yikes. Uh, but I, I think that could still be sort of where we're headed. And that's what causes her to unlock maybe 
some of everyone's memories or something like that. Yeah. Pete, what was the other thing you wanted to talk about? I want to talk about, I, I liked uh, Betty's speech to her mom that she's proud of her sister and she'll support her no matter what. I thought that was such a, you know, such an unbelievable, like, dig at like what a mother's job or what a parent's or guardian's kind of job is to love and support somebody no matter what. And it was just like, uh, just such a well-delivered, unbelievable line. And again, like we said, the acting on both parts was uh, out of this world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They're the yeah. berries. Any, anything else? Any other them. notes or things from the episode you want to call out? I mean, one thing that I was like, you know, if you're excited in a movie theater to see something and then one person stands up and goes, that's my sister. I mean, the other people in the theater got to be like, so what? Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, I was a little surprised well, how cool everybody was right well, away. Well, Veronica runs the movie theater. She's going to shut Also, I would say if we were watching a pornographic movie and you stood up and was like, wait. That's me. I'd be like, let's take a break from the movie and examine what's happening. <laughs> just have a conversation you know what I mean? about it. Let's just talk about it for a yeah. second. Be like, oh, well, okay. Well, maybe we'll watch something else for right now. Yeah. Uh, I did think uh, we only got a little bit of Clay in this episode, but every time we saw him, it was really great. The I thought it was the interesting conversation in the beginning that Archie was just kind of like his face for every kind of cutaway was kind of hilarious. Well, and another thing, like, I feel like on, on Clavin, uh, the Clavin of it all, like, earlier in the season where it was like, everyone was sort of, the kids were sort of ostracizing them a little bit, and it, it was about them being outsiders. I feel like they've done a great job in this episode in the locker room scene where Julian's like, I got this movie. And he's like, oh, you and your wrestling movies, you guys watch it. Like, everyone's sort of cool with what's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's a transition and something that I, I, I really like that they're doing in a very subtle way. And again, setting us up for like, even Julian, the sort of enemy, is still part of the the youth side and is on the right side of the history that they're grappling with here, as opposed to the conservative adults that they're going to be pushing back against. Yeah. And I've said so much about this. I If it doesn't happen, I'm lost, truly lost. <laughs> <laughs> a couple other things to say, like I, the idea of defining smokers as uh, met films where men sit in the back smoking cigars and drinking hot toddies, viscerally disgusting. Very gross. Smoking a hot cigar and drinking a hot whiskey cocktail. Really turn idea. the heat up in there. In the room, get a the the stink. Plus, they're probably yeah. wearing vests and suits. Oh Yucky, God. yuck. Um, love the line, and uh, I'm I'm still Barchi all the way. Just to be clear about all this, but you know, I'm expanding my mind. I'm getting my howl on here. Uh, but I did a one person burlesque show for Archie. You've always been sweet on him. I'm here for that. Uh, of I'm course, you that point moment. out that one line. Yeah, it's weird. That line felt like very almost louder. You know, when I was watching, it, didn't. it felt like it was really it turned, turned up. The volume turned up. Interesting. The volume was turned up. Yeah. Wow. No, you know what I mean? Didn't. No, no, I don't. Yeah, know that's like mean. how for me, this is very weird. All the Shoney scenes, the volume was way louder than any of the other scenes. Yeah. And P, all the scenes in Penelope's with walls have really turned up for you. <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, I didn't want to mention, I know we just touched on it a little bit, but the Gypsy, the song from Gypsy with the burlesque routine. I love that sequence. I thought that was so well directed uh, and so well done. 
having Polly do it, having Betty picture herself as Polly, cutting to Alice so singing in the middle, going over to Penelope seeing the painting. Just the, all the transitions there were so cool. Great, great sequence. Very well. In playing with the format in which they show this, like I feel like another show or even earlier seasons of Riverdale wouldn't have gotten to the Alice Penelope stuff in the mm -hmm. dream. Cause it's a little bit of a leap mentally, but like I thought it worked so well. And then we got back to Betty, the jumping back and forth between Betty and Polly uh, mm -hmm. as Betty's imagination, I thought was just really smart and really cool. Well, I think also, and maybe this is too much of a logical leak, but if we do want to think about what they're eventually leading people towards is some sort of happiness, some sort of redemption, you know, your mild may vary for a lot of these characters like specifically Grundy, but they are being like very specifically careful to be like, this is a different Grundy. We're treating it differently. Just so you know, FYI, in every scene, we're very like cognizant of this. We had back in season three, that was, that was the cult storyline where Betty saw herself at the cult, but it was actually Polly pretending to be Betty and it had this evil connotation to it. Now we're getting Betty picturing Polly as herself, but it has this good connotation that ultimately unlocks yeah something in her so that maybe she won't be a burlesque performer, but at least she's further along the path towards what she eventually will be. So yeah, see how that pans that's out. great. While we're shouting out other um, sort of departments, I thought the music in this episode was great. We get like a little gesture toward the Twin Peaks theme in the mm -hmm. Twilight Twist stuff. We get a lot of sort of bigger music swings that I think are really um, underscoring the, the emotions. Here. They brought back in the Cheryl painting scene, the sort of bongos music that they played yeah. in the sex yeah. montage back at the beginning of the season. I love that as well. I thought that was really good. Uh, let I, me just show this out to you. If your partner was like, hey, we're going to stay up all night and watch the sunrise once a month. How long do you think before you're like, I'm going to sleep in? Yeah, this I is great. It. This is great. <laughs> I've seen about? it. That's a, fun, that's a fun thing to do once a month. Once a month, though? Do you okay. think that was a shout out uh, to how, how often Grundy do you like to have Archie fun? Once a month is too much to have fun. In the first episode. Oh, great. Great call, Alex. Yeah. Pete, you and I, next time I see you, once we're gonna stay up all night, that'll be uh, our once. I would, I would love it. I love it. Rage right? till dawn. And now, bro. is it gonna be you or is it gonna be the Sizzler who's gonna show up? Well, the Sizzler comes out at night. Just so you're clear. <laughs> so if it's <laughs> nighttime, the Sizzler's out. That's that's the Sizzler's time. Um, oh love your blooming onion, by the way. That was a great routine. <laughs> The different restaurant. Oh. I'm sorry. Now, no, I'll take it. Now I see what you were getting at earlier. I was like, I did not think that. Great. Uh, a lot of great language here. She's the berries. I'm going to flip her burlesque show, you tickler. Uh, don't be a, is it gringle or something that this thrown out earlier? Twilight Twist calling them a bunch of Wisconsin man cheese. Just the playfulness. Don't Everyone's having about fun. Archie being like, I'm such a square. Yeah. And he is. There you go. Fun stuff. Um, all right. Before we wrap up here, who is the MVP of this episode? Pete, you got an MVP? Uh, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to give it to Betty because I feel like, uh, you know, she had a really good arc this episode. And, um, yeah, the mom stuff was really uh, some impressive acting. Yeah. Justin, what about you? Who's your MVP? Well, I was also going to give it to Betty, but um, Pete jumped in and did that. I mean, I'm going to give a, a group award to uh, the boys. I mm -hmm. feel like the boys uh, have been group sort award, of huh? turn. 
turned up so much this in these last few episodes and the way that they're playing it it's hard to play that i think to be this like bright-eyed like let's go do this thing um is is such a funny weird thing to play they're they're getting older but but playing younger and i think they're all doing a great job uh, I was going to specifically call out, uh, I mean, this is a subset of what you said, but KJ Appa and Charles Melton as Archie yeah. and Reggie, even though I was frustrated with the storyline, they were so funny in it at the same time. I love their scrawl head touch that they did right before they thought they were watching the stag film. <laughs> that wasn't people, in the script. It said scrawl yeah, head touch. Yeah. Do it like they do it on scrawls is what it said in the script. Yeah, Everybody oh, gets that good. reference on this podcast. Anyway, I, I just thought they were very funny. The way they played it was very funny. Uh, even if I was frustrated about the eventual wrap up of the storyline, and speaking of wrapping up, why don't we wrap up here? If you'd like to support the show and all the shows, yeah. we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. Apple, Spotify, just a note, not Stitcher, because that is going away. If you're subscribed on Stitcher, that is going to be done by the end of August. Oh, so Stitcher. go subscribe somewhere else. We're all available right. on all podcast platforms. But if you want to follow us socially, at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After. After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. This is Three Hunks of Wisconsin Man Cheese, signing off. <laughs> Me.